Hey, I'm Austin. Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This week kicks off a brand new series, Together. Together we are stronger. Together we impact. Together we are simply better. Join Valley Point Church as together we seek to be a faith community that God is calling us to be. A generous, life-changing community. Well, good morning and welcome to Valley Point Church. It is so good to see you and I'm very thankful that you're here today. I want you to turn to somebody next to you, in front of you, behind you, and just say good morning. Go for it. So here's what I want to do today. I just kind of want to step back and relax and breathe a little bit and remember the great sacrifice of Jesus. As I thought about this Sunday, I asked myself the question, what should we be doing? And it really didn't take me long to come to a conclusion. And it's interesting because when you walk through the pages of Scripture and and you find God's people doing and accomplishing and conquering and just doing all kinds of different things for God, there's a moment after all of that activity where they just kind of step back, and they relax, and they breathe, and they go back to doing some very basic spiritual things to make sure that they're walking with God. And so after all of that accomplishing, after all of the doing, they just simply breathe. We've been on a tremendous journey as a church where we have been thinking about our future and where God is taking us. And we've shared a lot of information. We have laughed. We have cried. There's been all kinds of different emotions that have been attached to that. And I believe this is a Sunday where we simply want to do what happened to God's people after they accomplished and after they were involved in a lot of activity. They just stepped back and they breathed. So today, that's what we're going to do. We're just going to step back and we're just going to breathe. And we're going to do that by remembering the amazing sacrifice of Jesus and what he did for each and every one of us. So if you have a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, or if you've got a smart device, you can turn there as well. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, and then we're also going to hang out in Mark chapter 14. So we're going to be in two different paragraphs today, and they have some very unique things to teach us. Here's what else I want you to do. I want you to take out your program, okay? Can you do that right now? And I want you to open it up to the talk notes section, and hopefully you received a pen when you walked in the door. I want you to take that pen and look at that talk notes section and just begin filling in the blanks as we walk through our conversation this morning. I want you to do that because it will keep your mind engaged through these next few moments, and it will also give you something to take away from this experience. Now, if you have a smart device, there are some QR codes that are right there in the talk notes section. You can scan that into your device, and all of the scripture will open up for you, as well as our notes, and you can kind of fill in the blanks there as well, and you can carry that around on your device. So if you want to do that, take full advantage of that. But whether it's the old-fashioned way with a pen and paper 
or with a device. I just want your mind to be engaged this morning as we talk about what Jesus has done for us. And as we just kind of step back and breathe and pause and remember him. So we're going to begin in Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to start reading with verse 1. Here's what it says. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. So you walk through those three opening verses in chapter two there, and it doesn't sound that great. Like this isn't a good scenario here, but here's what comes along in verse four. It's like the language changes and everything opens up and there now is new hope for us because here's what verse four says. It's very powerful. Verse four, but God is so rich in mercy. God, think about this for a moment. God, our creator, the one who loves us and cares about us, is so rich in mercy. Now, we could just camp out there for the rest of our time together because, again, that is a very powerful statement. And the language here indicates that God has an abundance of mercy and he's rich. I mean, he is really wealthy when it comes to mercy, which means compassion. And the amazing thing about God, the incredible thing about our creator, is he doesn't hold this to himself. He freely gives it away. He has this abundance of mercy. God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. I think there's two thoughts that kind of jump out of these opening verses here in Ephesians chapter 2. Here's the first thought. Without God's compassionate love, we're in trouble. If that verse doesn't say that God is rich in mercy and compassion and love for us, I mean, we are just in a lot of trouble because we actually deserve the anger of God. That's what we've earned because of our actions and our choices. That's what we deserve. That's what we should get. But guess what? We don't get that. What we get is this love, this rich mercy from God. And that doesn't even make sense at all, but that's just how incredible God is. He's an amazing God, eh? That was for my Canadian friends. Apparently, we had more of them in the first hour. All right, here's the other thought that kind of just jumps out of Ephesians chapter 2. And that is because of God's love, we should passionately follow him. So think about this for a minute. Without God's compassionate love, we're all in trouble. We deserve the anger of God. We deserve his wrath because of our choices and because of our activity. But that's not what we get. God is rich in mercy, and so he extends this love to us. And because of God's love, we should actually passionately follow hard after him and be obedient to him. 
verse 6. It says, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. It's amazing language right there that talks about our position. We're with Christ. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. So no matter who you are or what you've done or where you've been or what you've said, no matter what is back there, no matter what is in your past, God is rich in mercy and he loves us so much. It's a great thought. That thought right there, should put a huge smile on our faces and cause us to walk out of here with a bounce in our step. Actually, it should cause us just to break out in spontaneous applause that God is rich in mercy and he loves me. I know what I'm like and I know what I do. Yeah. As a matter of fact, let's try that a little bit. All right, get your hands together because it's really that great. All right, here we go. God is rich in mercy and he loves us so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's just our great God, and it can't be explained. You can't always understand it, but this is what we discover right here. He's revealed this to us. I am abundantly wealthy. I know he's got more wealth than God, and I'm not keeping it to myself, but I'm extending this mercy to you so that you can enjoy something that you don't even deserve, but I'm going to give it to you, and I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly realms when I respond to him and trust in him alone to save me. So, here's what we're going to do. As a result of that, Ephesians chapter 2, God being rich in mercy, and he just extends that to each and every one of us, we're going to remember him in an appropriate way. Here's our big idea for today. Together we remember. We begin a new series today called Together. And over the next four weeks, we're just going to walk through some different items that we should be doing together as a church. Some stuff that we should be together on as a faith community. And we're going to launch all of this by thinking about how together we need to remember the incredible sacrifice of Jesus. And so today, we're just going to have a great time of communion. Here's how I want to spend the rest of our time together. I just want to talk about communion. I want to teach about it. What does it mean? And why do we actually do this? Because quite honestly, it's a different kind of thing. It might even seem strange to you. Communion. What is that all about? What does it actually mean? And why do we take time to do that? So we're just going to think about that and unpack some of those thoughts in our remaining moments together. If you still have your Bible open in, in Ephesians chapter 2 there, I want you to Turn now to Mark chapter 14. So you're going to go to the left a little bit. Go back a few books. Mark is one of the Gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they all share the story of what happened when Jesus was here on earth. And we're going to be in Mark chapter 14. And we're just going to continue to think about how God is rich in mercy. And how Jesus did something right here with his close followers that he had not done before this point. And so he kind of initiates this whole new thing. And what is that new thing? 
Well, here's what we discover in Mark 14, verse 17. In the evening, Jesus arrived with the 12 disciples. And as they were at the table eating, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you eating with me here will betray me. And what we know is that a few moments after this, one of the close followers of Jesus named Judas, he went out and he sold Jesus out for a sum of money. He was betrayed. But before that happened, Jesus shares this meal with his followers. Verse 19 says, Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, Am I the one? Is Jesus talking about me? Is it you? What's happening here? Who's going to betray Jesus? And He replied, it is one of you 12 who is eating from this bowl with me. So this is kind of a great little story here because in the middle of the tension and the confusion of who's going to sell out Jesus? I mean, he just said somebody's going to betray him. Is it you? Is it you? Is it me? What is this person going to do? And what does this look like? And when is it all going to happen? Jesus said, well, one of you is going to betray me. That's eating from this bowl. That's sharing this with me. Well, as part of that culture and that custom, they would often share a common bowl. That would be filled with probably a sauce of some kind. And they would pass that around and dip their bread in that or their meat. And that's just what they did in this culture. And so as part of this Passover meal, Jesus holds up two traditional items that are a part of this. And he begins to talk about them in a different kind of way. This was the Passover meal. What's the Passover? Well, this was a traditional meal or a traditional celebration that the Jews shared together where they would remember and celebrate the fact that they were no longer slaves in Egypt. And so they would get together with their family and friends and they would eat all kinds of different things and they would just celebrate and say, do you remember what God did for us? I mean, we were slaves for hundreds of years and we had no hope and there was no way we could get out of that mess But God is the one who came through and he delivered us. And so now we're going to have this Passover celebration. And we're just going to thank God for what he's done for us. And it was a meal designed by God to engage the senses of smell and sight and taste. And it was a great time for them as family and as friends. Just thinking about what God had done for them. And so as part of this Passover celebration, and that's what Jesus is doing with his close followers, he now lifts up a piece of bread and a cup of wine, which would have been part of that Passover meal, and he gives them new meaning. He talks about them in a completely different way. Here's what he says, verse 22. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces And gave it to the disciples saying, take it, for this is my body. And then he took a cup of wine. Again, these were the traditional items of the Passover celebration. He took that cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. Now, this meal, this celebration, this party, this event was a moment of faith-forming, soul-shaping mystery. It was that way when Jesus did it for the first time. And when we step into a time of communion, 
the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist. It's a mysterious thing where we get to step back and say, what is God saying to us? What was Jesus doing here? What was Jesus teaching? What was he doing with those two elements that he had never done before? Well, it says in our paragraph that Jesus picked up a piece of bread and he began to break that into multiple pieces and he gave that out and he said, I want you to eat this. This is a picture of my body which is about to be broken for you. I know what's coming. I know I'm going to lay my life down for the world. And so I'm breaking this bread up as a symbol, as a picture of what is about to happen to me. I believe based on what we find in Scripture that when we partake of the bread, it doesn't become the body of Jesus in us. It is simply a picture. It's a symbol of what he walked through. And he was saying, every time you do this, every time you partake of this, remember my brokenness and what I did for you and how I am rich in mercy to you. The other element was a cup of wine. And Jesus picked that up and said, this is a picture. It's a symbol of my blood which will be shed for you. And I don't believe, based on what you find in Scripture, that that wine or that juice becomes the blood of Christ in you. It is simply a picture. It's a symbol of what Jesus was about to endure and how he allowed his blood to be shed for us because he is rich in mercy. And he extends that to all of us. So it's really an incredible teaching moment here in Mark chapter 14 where Jesus says, this soul-shaping, mysterious meal, I'm now giving deep meaning to these two different elements, the bread and the wine or the juice. And when you continue to do this, which is what Jesus wanted for us, you do this to remember me. These are symbols of my brokenness and my blood. And again, I extend this to you because I am rich in mercy. Now the names. Some people call it communion. Some people call it the Lord's Supper. Some people call it the Eucharist. Is there a right name? I don't know if it really matters what you call it as long as you're doing it because that's what Jesus asked us to do. Do this, partake in this to remember me. And so I think really all of these names are appropriate and good. We call it communion because it communicates Christ's saving work. I mean, here's what Jesus has done. And when we step back and pause and breathe and remember how he is rich in mercy, we're communicating Christ's saving work. And that's a great thing. So it's okay to call it communion. We call it the Lord's Supper because he is here with us and he is our host. I think sometimes we forget about that when we step into worship and we open up God's word and We read it and we teach from that and we pray and we sing songs and lift up words to God and say, here is our heart. I think sometimes we forget that he is actually here with us. It's not apart from us. He's right here. So we call it the Lord's Supper because he is hosting this event and it's okay to call it that. We call it Eucharist because we give thanks. And that's actually what that word means. It means to give thanks. And I want you to look at verse 23 again. It says, He took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. You see that word thanks there? Comes from the Greek root word, eucharistio, which means to give thanks. 
And so when we walk through this time and we remember the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus, we, in a literal sense, Eucharistio, we give thanks for something that God did for us that we never could have done on our own. We never could have paid the price for our sins. God knew that. He recognized it. And so he stepped in and sent Jesus to die on our behalf and to rise again so that when we simply trust in him, we can have this forever friendship. And so the only appropriate thing to do in that moment is to Eucharistio, to give thanks. So we call it communion. We call it the Lord's Supper. We call it Eucharistio. All of these things are appropriate. This is our opportunity to remember how rich in mercy God is and how he loves us so much. So we just have one takeaway today. It's one word. Remember. Let's just remember now in an appropriate way what Jesus has done for us and how he loved you enough to spring into action and extend his mercy to a person who doesn't deserve it, but yet he did it because he's just wealthy that way. Let's remember that. Together, we remember how rich in mercy and compassion and love God is to all of us. Here at Valley Point, we serve communion and we try to make special events out of it so that we're really thinking through what's happening. I never want communion or the Lord's Supper, or Eucharist to be a time where we just kind of rush in and blindly go through the motions and don't really think about what we're stepping into in that particular moment. And so when we serve communion here at Valley Point, we try to teach on it. We try to say, here's what we're doing and why, and here's what it all means. And today is one of those special days where we're going to have the chance in just a few moments to come and pick up some elements and remember what Jesus has done for us. We also practice something here at Valley Point called open communion, meaning that whoever has trusted in Jesus alone to save them, whoever has embraced his leadership and forgiveness, they are free to participate in our communion events. So this isn't something that's just for members. You don't have to have been here for 10 years to participate in communion. If you've trusted in Jesus to save you, if he is your leader and forgiver, I want to invite you to come in just a few moments And we're going to pick up these elements and we're going to remember together. Now, if you're not comfortable doing that, or if you're still seeking God and trying to figure out who he is and what he means and what this relationship is all about, you're just not ready to do that, that's perfectly fine. You can remain at your seat. No one will ask you questions. No one will judge you. That is between you and God, and that is perfectly fine. I want everybody to do what they sense God wants them to do in this moment as we remember together. So here's how this is going to work. I'm going to pray, and then you will be dismissed by Rose, and you'll be able to make your way to the front tables on either side, and you'll pick up a piece of bread and then a cup of juice. I want you to take those elements back to your seat and then remain there until all of us have been served, and then I'll come up and we'll partake together. I think it'd be great once you got back to your seat if you just hold these elements in your hands and really think about the symbolism here. So we don't have a lot of icons here at Valley Point. We just don't have a lot of that stuff. But these are tremendous symbols 
and should cause you to really be very thankful for how rich in mercy Jesus really is. And so as you hold that piece of bread in your hand and as you hold that cup, I want you to just offer up appropriate thanks for what God has done for you and how he's extended compassion on your behalf. And then again, once we're all served, I'll come back up and we'll partake together. Together, together, let's remember. Father, we are so thankful for a few moments here to spend in Ephesians chapter 2 and Mark chapter 14, and we really learned some incredible things there about how you have extended something to us that we never could have taken care of on our own. God, there's really no response to that. There's no words to say. So in a humble way, we want to get low before you on this Sunday. God, after a lot of activity here, and after climbing a mountain thinking about our future, we just want to pause right now. We want to get low before you and kind of get back to doing some very basic spiritual things like what you outlined to those initial followers. Do this, take this to remember me. So God, we're going to come in just a moment and we're going to remember you. And I just pray that you would use this time to shape in us a humble and grateful heart for the mercy that you've extended to all of us. I'd like for you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. And you just take these next few seconds here. Just make sure that your heart is right with God and that you're ready to remember him this way. So just take a few moments and do that right now. Maybe you're here and you're understanding for the very first time that there is a mercy-filled God, which is really an overwhelming thought. And you're getting that and you want that as part of your life and you're ready to respond to him. You're ready to trust in him alone. I would just encourage you, if you've never done that before, if you've never made that choice and you sense God kind of knocking on your heart's door and tugging on you, right where you're at in the quietness of this moment from your heart to God's ears, you just cry out to him and say, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I know that I've messed up my life. I know I've done some things and I've missed the mark. Just tell God that. He already knows it, but he wants to hear that from you. And then just tell him that you're ready to trust in him alone to save you. And you want to embrace his leadership forgiveness invite him into your life and into your heart to make a home there for you trust in him alone just offer up those kinds of words to your merciful God and then just thank him 
thank him for saving you. Jesus said, he won't turn anyone away. He won't reject you. It doesn't matter what's back there. It doesn't matter what's in the past. He will forgive. And so thank him for doing that for you. Thank him for saving you. Thank him for being your leader and forgiver. If those are words that you've offered up for the very first time to your loving Father, I just want to encourage you to communicate that to someone, share that with somebody. That's a wonderful choice. And I would encourage you to step out in a moment and pick up a piece of bread and that cup of juice and be forever grateful for the love that God has extended to you and enjoy communion in a real way for the very first time as a believer, as someone who has trusted completely in the work of Jesus on your behalf. It'll be a great day for you. Great day. So God, we're ready to remember you now. We're going to walk through this moment and God, I pray that you'd help our hearts to be in tune with you. Help us together to remember. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 915 or 11 a.m.